0: Want we'll to work something out, and that's to get uh, subwoofers going every time I come up onto the platform because uh, that's just as uh, exciting. Um, I'm excited. Like if I was a woman, I would to go to the beast feast right now because of the subwoofer. Um, but I'm not, so. Um, Beast Feast, this Saturday, 6 p.m. If you haven't registered yet, they'd love for you to register by Thursday. That's kind of the deadline. Uh, $20 for you to go, $140 for a table. Uh, You can register by going out these doors down the hall to our hub. Uh, One of the representatives from our men's ministry is there. Uh, You can also—don't go now. They're not there right now, but if you go after the service— You can also do it online. Uh, They're in need of a few more volunteers. And so if you'd like to help with either serving food or greeting people, helping with cleanup, um, they would love to have that. also, uh, I don't know what's on the menu this year. I just know that each year I've heard incredible things about how good it is. Some years I've gotten to eat, some years it's all, all gone before I get a chance to eat, but it's, it's always good food. Um, I've heard rumors of alligator gumbo, and so if that's the kind of beast you want to consume, then uh, um, enjoy that with us. Here's what I would tell you is if you know of a man uh, who would like to come, but that $20 is an obstacle, would you please just reach out um, either at our hub to our men's ministry or to one of us on staff so we can make sure that that person is is still included. Uh, We have men every year that buy whole tables and they save spots uh, for friends just like yours. And uh, they would love to have a chance to let them be challenged and convicted and encouraged and all those things. So Beast Feast is coming up. Uh, A couple other announcements. I don't like usually taking a lot of time for these, but there's just some things we need to uh, talk about. Uh, The the next thing is... Is Wednesday evening programs. Uh, those resume uh, in three days. Uh, this coming Wednesday, new time six thirty to seven forty-five. Um, some of you may wonder why did the time change. It's because our Next Generation Ministries and our Bible study leaders have listened to those of you that have children still in school, and we hear how hard it is for you at eight o'clock to hang around till eight fifteen, and then get your kids home and get them to bed. And so we we move that up to seven forty-five, hoping to give you a little bit more more space uh, at night. So those are starting. There's details in your bulletin, um, an insert about the catalyst studies that are being offered on Wednesdays. A uh, Next announcement, there's a, a new little part of your bulletin that says, in case of emergency, uh, the church that um, I was at prior to coming here uh, a church that Philip, our associate minister, spent a lot of time in, uh, just last week in the middle of worship service had an electrical fire on stage, and everyone had to exit the building. And that got us thinking, what happens here in the unforeseen event that uh, uh, there's a fire? And so we provided some instructions. We would love it, to everyone that's able-bodied, um, if you could exit through one of the side doors. Uh, and if you would allow the back doors to be utilized by those that have disabilities or have a harder trouble uh, with mobility. If you are um, an able-bodied person, if you would look out for those that don't move as well and help them and assist them. If you're one of our deacons, if you would first look for those that have walkers and canes and wheelchairs and things like that and assist them. If you are an elder or a member of our security team, if you would make sure that you head towards uh, one of our youngest children's ministry environments like the nursery or the preschool to make sure those children get out safely along with those volunteers. Uh, If you're a parent who has children in any of our Next Generation Ministries, our reunification spot is going to be the grassy area to the east of this yellow barn out here. Um, That's where all the children will be taken and be supervised. And then um, our staff and hopefully members of our security team can help facilitate that uh, safe kind of reunion between you and your kids. That's just the brief plan. Uh, That's a five-day this happened. We got to make sure we have a plan plan. Uh, We're going to be revisiting that over the next couple weeks. We're going to continue to let you know um, what you can do and how you can make sure that you and your children are safe while they're in our facility. The final announcement is not in your bulletin, and it's kind of unfair. I'm just going to be honest. Um, It's a tease. Uh, September 9th, next Sunday, a good portion of our service is going to be dedicated to sharing Uh, some incredible news with you, uh, a vision with you. Uh, We'll be trying to um, share enough that you want to join us in what's next at Lebanon Christian Church. There have been some things happening behind the scenes. Some of you may have heard rumors of. uh, Some of you may not. Related to our facility. uh, Related to future use of space within our facility. There's some really exciting things that are happening. Will be happening in the coming months. That we're going to share with you. And spend quite a bit of time next week. Kind of unveiling. And so we don't want you to miss September 9th. I know it's completely unfair. You're going to be wondering what on earth is this. Uh, But come back and we'll tell you. And we'll show you pictures. And um, uh, hopefully you'll join us and be excited alongside of us as we look at the next um, several years of Lebanon Christian Church's future. Uh, We celebrate 35 years in November this year as a church, uh, working in Boone County and in Lebanon, and we're really excited about what's next, uh, next year, next month, uh, the next decade, uh, what's happening in Lebanon Christian Church. So so come along with us on that ride. I want to pray and and jump into the message this morning. Uh, Father, help us. To hear your voice through your word. Father, enable us to meet with you, our Maker, in the midst of these words that you inspired into the hearts of men as they retell your story. Draw us into your life Uh, for those of us that have walked with you but maybe uh, wandered away. uh, Pull us back. For those that have yet to dive into the mysteries of your mercy, uh, help us to make the leap. God, guide us. Uh, I pray you would equip me to speak with clarity that the words of Jesus would just overwhelm us and inspire us today, that we would be stretched and changed and transformed. And it's in your name we pray and we trust these things in the name of Jesus, our living hope. Amen. I want to start by just sharing with you uh, a couple of stories. I've changed the names to protect uh, those that the stories are about. I got really creative with the names, by the way. Uh, They're Jack and Jill. Um, I know, it took me a long time to figure that out. Jack and Jill are two students that at one point, several years ago, as a youth minister, came through the ministry where I was serving, that I had a chance to invest in, Uh, spend hours with, pray over, cry with, laugh with. And I want to share with you where Jack and Jill are now. Uh, Jack and Jill are 24 years old. Uh, We'll start with Jill. Jill is this young woman who is just flourishing as a follower of Jesus. Jill, when she speaks... um, Her speech is just seasoned with the intimacy that she has from her encounters with God. Like like when she talks, she speaks about God as though he's right there next to her in the in the room. When when she speaks of him as her father, you get the sense that man, they have an incredible relationship. Uh, Jill is a part of a ministry to athletes at a major university on the East Coast. When she was stopped by to see us this summer and she's telling us about what God is doing in her life, what he's up to, the things that he's stretching her in and really challenging her in, she opens up her Bible and the pages are tattered and there are highlights and underlines and margins filled with notes that share the story of this 24-year-old and how she's striving to love God and love others. And while Jill would not make the list herself, many of us who know her can make a list of person after person that's been impacted in such a powerful way through her life, old and young. Jack is, is 24. They, they, they both came through our ministry at the exact same time, had the same shared spiritual experiences, very similar homes. Uh, Their parents loved Jesus, pursued him authentically, tried to model what it looks like to be a sincere follower of Jesus. Uh, And and yet Jack's life right now, uh, I know the final verdict is not in, is primarily all about him. Fashion, fitness, health, career, education, uh, and, and, and in fact, when you read the things that Jack writes, you get the sense that if there is any faith left, it's just barely holding on. Uh, kind of the picture it brings to mind is that tooth in your six-year-old's mouth that is just barely hanging on by a thread. When, when you read his words and you read just incredible amounts of profanity and... Uh, Polarizing, passionate comments. It just makes my heart hurt. So what's the difference? How how, how is Jill living such a vibrant faith as a 24-year-old? And how is Jack just struggling to hold on to whatever he's got left? What's the difference? I think that's a question that we would be wise to ask of ourselves, what's the difference between that person that's very similar to me in life situation and place and time, who has heard the message about who God is and his incredible rescue and has taken it in and it has transformed their life and they're living with such eagerness and, and zeal and joy and hope, and, 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 and that person who heard the exact same word of God. Experienced so many similar things, but yet the the word is never really soaked in. Or what's the difference between that person who's living this vibrant faith and that person who's exposed to so many similar things and, and for a season they lived vibrantly, but now like you wouldn't even know that they ever walked with God. What's the difference? Ooh. We've been in this series um, called Rooted, where we're looking at our core values. Uh, The foundational core value of Lebanon Christian Church is that we want to be rooted in the Word of God and prayer. All the other four are built upon that, whether we're being welcoming, generous, loving, redemptive, it all comes from being rooted in His Word and in prayer. We spent the last few weeks of July, first week of August, looking at the importance of being rooted in prayer, and we've spent the last few weeks looking at the Word of God. We looked at the weight of God's Word, the significance of God's Word, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness a couple of weeks ago. Our associate minister, Philip, took us on a journey into the life of Jeremiah last week and and showed us how even when he was desperate, even when he was in despair, even when he was hurting, like, he knew that God's Word helped bring him along and hold him fast. And so we talked about longing for God's Word. Uh, This week we're going to give you a different image, and it's called the seed, uh, the seed of God's word. When was the last time uh, you planted your garden or uh, tried to fill in some bare patches in your lawn or, or tried to grow some flowers, and you just kind of held that seed and contemplated the inherent power within that seed? like the miraculous power within that seed, like that little dry piece of seed, like within it, if it just comes in contact with the warm, moist soil, suddenly this miraculous growth takes place and we have fruits and we have vegetables and, and, and a whole bare lawn with just one seed can, can, can grow grass that then shoots out runners and grows more grass. And then we have this lush green space, just one seed, Just one seed can can grow a tree so tall and so wide you can drive through it. Just one seed. When was the last time you contemplated the pregnant possibilities, the power within that seed? Here's what we know about seeds: is that within every seed lies this power. But what determines whether or not that power is realized? The condition of the soil. Farmers know this This is why farmers get trained or they enlist the help of an extension office to come out and to test their soil to see if the composition is just right to promote growth. So when those seeds come down and they're in that warm earth that, that that they'll germinate and they'll grow and life will come out. Soil is essential to realizing the power of the seed. What if our hearts were like soil? What if our minds were like soil? And what if the message of God, the words of God, the rescuing love of God is like a seed? And depending upon the condition of your heart is what grows within Uh, This is the point that Jesus makes in a parable he shares. Uh, Parables are these short stories rooted in the familiar that reveal a profound transformational truth about eternity. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they all share. Those are the first three writings in your New Testaments. They all share about this parable that Jesus told about seeds and soil. It's commonly called the Parable of the Sower." I'm going to give you a better name in a moment. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter eight is the record we're going to look at this morning. It's quite possibly the very first parable that Jesus ever shares. Uh, that's where we find it in Luke's account. Luke gives an accurate account of the uh, events in Jesus' life to help us understand who He is. And this is the very first parable. Uh, the circumstances surrounding it, if you read verse 1, it, it tells you that after this Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, the Jesus tour has kicked off. Like, the tour bus is going, uh, he's sharing these messages, people are being captivated, they're intrigued, now, not all of them sincerely, but there's enough about what Jesus is saying that people are like, wow, we want to see him, we want to hear him. Uh, we, we might say he's trending, Uh, Whether it be on Spotify or Twitter or or iTunes, he's trending. Like people want to hear what Jesus has to say. And so he's traveling from town to town. He's preaching. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He's sharing about God's story, how God has worked throughout history, what he's doing now. Like he's not grown dormant. He's not forgotten them. And what he's going to do. He wants them to see their connection to what God has done, is doing, and will do. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And ultimately, he's at the heart of that good news that God is redeeming the the world through him. That, that's, that's the message. Uh, that's the Jesus tour. And people are coming from villages and towns to hear all about what he has to say. And it's in the midst of this with crowds gathering gathering and pressing in around him that he shares this story. Here's what I'd like for you to do. The, the verses for this will not be on the screen right now. I just want you to listen in to the story as though you're one of the members of the crowd, just kind of leaning in to hear what this rabbi has to say. Luke 8, verse 4, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable, this story. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up, and some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. It's a simple story, right? Right? Now, we're surrounded by fields in central Indiana. Uh, Most of you, at some point this week, will drive past fields filled with soybeans slowly turning yellow and corn slowly turning yellow. We we, we live in a farming community. That was Jesus' community. We would call it an agrarian or a farming area. And and they were familiar with in the fall of every year around October, uh, the farmers would go out and they'd put the large satchel of seed over their shoulder and they would just sow liberally into their fields. The more seed that they were able to sow, the more likelihood they had an abundant harvest. And with that came the risk that some of that seed falls on the edges of the field that are are harder and compacted and the seed can't be taken in. And so when seed just lies on the surface of the ground, uh, birds and animals like to take it away. It's why if you try to fill some barren patches in your yard, you need to loosen the soil and make sure there's good soil contact and the seed doesn't just rest on top. They knew that. They they knew that as a farmer would sow his seed, that inevitably some of it would land on ground that looked really, really good, but underneath it didn't have the depth to support good growth because of the rocks that lie underneath. They knew that some of that seed would land on soil that looked perfect and pristine, but yet the wind had carried in the seeds of weeds, and eventually those would grow too. They could visualize all of this, and that there was the soil that would produce that abundant crop, And so as they're listening in, they're so familiar, they can visualize all this. Perhaps they're even looking out over a field as a farmer sows his seed. But then Jesus says something that helps them understand that this is not just a story about a farmer and some seed. He says this in our Bibles. It's marked at the end of verse 8. It says, when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever's willing to listen, whoever really wants to know, lean in. I'm going to tell you more than you can imagine. Well, it shouldn't surprise us the disciples were the first to lean in. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Here's Jesus' response. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables. I speak in stories. So that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. It seems like Jesus went to uh, a school on how to write riddles. Uh, He's not giving a riddle here. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And then he explains this very simple parable. This is the meaning of the parable, Jesus says. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, they hold on to it, and by persevering, produce a crop. As Jesus tells this story and people lean in, uh, we know from kind of the placement that Jesus is trying to accomplish something. The early verses tell us that, that Jesus is traveling from town to town, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. It tells us in verse 4 that a large crowd is gathering. So, so lots of people are excited. You know what happens when things trend. You have people acting like they know stuff that they don't really know because they watched the right YouTube video, or they did whatever, and they, they begin being interested, but they're not really interested. And so Jesus has this crowd of people who are listening in, and he has this profound message to share. But how are we going to know who really wants to hear it, who wants to be transformed, and who's just a Curious onlooker. And so Jesus says, um, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, this is verse 10. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. He's speaking to the disciples. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. If you were to thumb back to Isaiah chapter 6, you would find this incredible scene where Isaiah the prophet is having this holy moment where God is just impressing upon him this vision of going into the holy throne room of God. Cherubim are singing, the holiness of God is on display. And one of those angelic beings flies towards Isaiah with a coal. Scorches his lips, cleanses his lips. God commissions him to be a prophet to speak his truth to the nation of Israel. But, it, but he, he gives this depressing news to Isaiah. Um, you're gonna go share and, and talk to my people, but understand. Um, they're going to see, but not really see. They're going to hear, but but not really hear. He's making a pronouncement about the rebellious hearts of his people, and he knows that although Isaiah is going to come and proclaim and, and share with them the good news, that the people won't really want to hear it. And so as Jesus speaks and these people come from all over to, to see the man who's trending, he says there are going to be a lot of people who, who hear what I say, but they're not really going to hear what I say. So, so how do we become people? How do those that are listening to Jesus in this moment make sure that they're ready to hear? Like Jesus says that the seed is the word of God. He equates then the people's hearts to the soil. How do we cultivate that heart, that soil that will receive God's word, that will receive that message that's proclaimed? Here's what I think is a better title for the parable. I'll give you two choices. One is the parable of the hearers, which quite honestly was a much older title than the parable of the sower. If you read through verses four through 15, you'll find that seven times the word hear or hearing appears. To a Jewish audience, hearing meant not just audibly recognizing sounds, not just sound waves entering in through the ear canal, The eardrum processing the vibrations through the cochlea and the fine hairs within. But the hearing was about internalizing and and not just audibly recognizing a sound, but saying, wait a second, I, I understand the message and I'm going to live accordingly. He wants his listeners to not just know what he has to say, but to live according to what he said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, a Parable of the Hearers is a great title. My favorite, though, is Parable of the Soils. It's about the soil conditions of our heart. Like, well, what's the soil condition of your heart? Does it provide the place where God's seed can come in and germinate and grow and, and, and drive down roots deep and produce an abundant harvest? That's the question that Jesus' audience would have been asking. What kind of soil is in my heart? How do I cultivate a soil that allows God's seed to grow? Well, the first thing Jesus shares with them through the picture is that it requires desire. Desire is beneath all the words of this parable. We see it show up in the path. Uh, We're going to go back and forth between the original story and Jesus's interpretation. And so we'll start with verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. So what's the interpretation? Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. He says there are people who hear this incredible truth, that's proclaimed about the kingdom of God. They they hear, they recognize, their ears translate the vibrations, but it it never makes it into their heart and mind. It just lies upon the hard soil. And and like seed that often lies in the hard soil, something comes and takes it away. And it's not that Jesus sends the devil to take away the word from people so they can't believe but this is talking about there are people who listen and they hear. They hear the same message that you hear, the, the same message that I hear, the same message that the person in the crowd heard. And and, and they hear all these good things that God does, his mercy, his rescue, his purposes. And, and they say, well, that sounds great. But they never let it come in. Uh, perhaps that's you. Perhaps you've heard the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ. And you've never opened up your heart to say, God, come in. I want to live according to this. Come take root in me. Uh, we see this often in people who will come uh, because their family wants them to come and to hear God's word. And they'll maybe attend church three, four times a year. And, but the, the word, the message, the story just kind of lies on the top of the soil. It never goes in. Why doesn't it go in? Because there's not the desire to open up and to let it come in. If we don't want to, if we don't want it, then it's just going to lie there. Those of you that coach, those of you that teach, you know the importance of the want to factor, don't you? Like you can tell this group of, you know, uh, eight, nine, ten-year-old football players that are in shoulder pads bigger than their bodies, like what they need to do. But unless they really want to do it, you're not going to get anywhere, right? The desire has to be there to receive the teaching, to, to live accordingly, to train accordingly. It takes desire to cultivate the soil where God's seed, his message, can come in and grow and transform. It it, it takes the willingness to cultivate depth so that roots can grow deep. Look at verse 6. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. The corresponding interpretation from Jesus, verse 13 those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Uh, there will be those listening to Jesus who hear and they're like, oh, this is incredible. This is what God is doing. This is how God is working. And they'll, they'll get excited and say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'll go wherever you go. But, but then when mama gets sick... When the child dies, when the scorching heat of life's trial comes, all they did was hear and respond with joy. They never were intentional about cultivating depth to allow for deep roots. Here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that many of you know people, and this is their story. I have met so many people over the years who hear about who God is and what he's done, and they respond with such earnest and and joy and and incredible uh, hope but but it doesn't really go deeper than that. They'll they'll come to a church uh, every Sunday, every few Sundays. They maybe participate in a Bible study for a small period of time, short period of time. And and then what happens when the scorching heat of life's trials come? Cancer, death, job loss, bankruptcy. Uh, suddenly, there's no depth and so the roots just kind of wither and often they grow bitter. How do we cultivate the depth so the roots can grow deep? I think the spiritual disciplines are a great starting point. There's a variety of disciplines you can incorporate into your life. Um, silence and solitude imagine taking time out each day and i'm not talking about uh, uh, setting aside hours necessarily and donning a brown robe and chanting gregorian chants I, i'm just saying why, why why don't you take a few moments maybe it's in the vehicle on the way to work um, maybe it's hiding in the restroom at your house to just think upon the things that you've recently read in god's word or the stories you've heard from his word and ask God to help you know how to apply those. Prayer, just praying through the things you're learning and and asking God to give you eyes to see. Maybe it's reading in his word. You know a great spiritual discipline is just simply this, obedience. When you read God's word and you try to incorporate them, even if you don't agree with them, God creates depth where his roots can grow deep. You want another discipline? Uh, Community. And by community, we mean people to share life with. If you're intentional about being with other followers of Jesus and and a small group of people, uh, we call them life groups here, then then you have the chance to speak into people's lives and encourage them. They can hold you accountable. They can identify things in you that aren't as they should be in God's kingdom. and, And the depth gets there and the roots can grow deep. How do we cultivate the soil of our hearts to allow for God's seed to come in and do its miraculous, powerful thing? Desire and cultivating that depth for deep roots, but also requires intentional discipline. Uh, Verse 7, Jesus says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. His corresponding teaching, verse 14, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures and they do not mature. The weeds of worries, riches and pleasures, uh, Jeremiah, uh, who is another prophet in the Old Testament, uh, speaks of idolatry as weeds that threatened Israel. Uh, there are things that are in the soil that inevitably reveal themselves you hear what farmers know? Farmers know that every year when they plant their seed, they will have a weed issue because the birds always carry and drop and the wind always blows. There are always going to be weeds. But will they be intentional about eradicating the weeds when they come? Good soil has weeds. You buy some good peat moss or or compost and there will be seeds of weeds within. But what do you do when those weeds begin to grow? I reached out to a couple of farmer friends about three years ago as I was studying this passage, and I said, just help me understand what you do to get rid of weeds. And each of the farmers said, well, we usually spray some type of chemical. And I said, well, how often do you spray that? And they said, well, usually about three applications is what it takes. And I said, okay, well, um, you know, is there any limit to the number of applications? said, actually, no. Like, we will spray and get rid of weeds as long as the weeds are growing because the weeds are competition. They steal nutrients from the plants that we want to grow. And as I'm reading Jesus' words, I'm like, aha. Why is it so important to get rid of weeds? Because worries, riches, and pleasures and things like them. Take the energy and the nutrients that are required for our faiths to grow, for us to live according to God's way. If we're consumed with worry, we're distracted from God's way. If we're consumed with wealth and riches, then then often we begin pursuits that take us further away from God. If we're most concerned with pleasures, then it's all about what satisfies me rather than what satisfies him. And so it's going to take diligence for you and I because the weeds will always come. Uh, you know, we, we put down a weed barrier in our, our flower beds this year, a 30-year weed barrier. And I remember uh, Audrey asking, will this stop weeds from growing? And I said, well, it's going to stop them from coming up, but inevitably weeds are going to grow because birds are going to fly over and the wind's going to blow. And you know what's happened all summer long is that here and there a weed comes up because it dropped in and found a place to grow. Now, we try to stay disciplined, and as we see just one weed, we, we pick it out and we're... We get rid of it. But we've also been those people before that let one weed become two weeds, that became three, that became four, that became five. And those of you that did that this summer, you now look at your flower beds, and you're like, where do I even start? And so your lilies are there, and your roses are there, and you're like, nah, forget this, lawnmower, you know? Because you weren't intentional. There was no discipline. To get rid of weeds requires discipline. To cultivate that soil requires desire and depth for deep roots and discipline, but it also requires diligence. Look at verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. And notice Jesus doesn't say those who are Perfect. Those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Uh, I love Jesus' words. That word retain um, carries with this picture of refusing to loosen your grip. How how, how do the good seeds, how do the seeds on the good soil grow? Because they cling tightly. I mean, there is nothing easy about a picture of perseverance and diligence. They're hard words. They mean hard work. They mean effort. But how does the, the seed transform in good soil? It clings, it retains, it holds tight. If we're going to produce a crop in our lives, if, if our lives will resemble Jill's, then, then we have to be people who, who, who cling tightly to the Word of God. And here's what you and I know there are many times when the Word of God is not popular. Oh, we love the message of God's love. We love saying Jesus loves you. But what about the other parts that challenge my choices, that challenge uh, popular beliefs? To hold tightly to that, that takes diligence say, God, I know that I I don't understand this, I don't agree with this, I I don't agree with what this means for people that I care about and people that I love, but but I'm going to hold on to you and I'm going to walk with grace and mercy and I'm going to trust in you. And as that soil clings to that seed, God's word grows and produces an abundant harvest in our lives, but it comes through perseverance and it's not easy. Listen, if we're going to be a church that's rooted in the word of God and prayer, Let us not for a moment believe that it's going to be easy. Don't for a moment believe that when your beliefs and your convictions are challenged, the ones that are born out of the word of God, that it's going to be easy. But you hold tight and you walk with grace and you let your life be the most gentle witness that it can be. And God produces an abundant harvest. If someone showed up at your house today and they had a kit that could test the soil of your heart, what would it reveal? Would it reveal hard soil that's yet to open up and receive? Would it reveal soil that's not been cultivated deeply to allow for deep roots? Would it reveal soil that has a bunch of weeds that needs some attention? Would reveal good soil that's holding tightly. I don't know about you, but man, I, I want God to do something great in the lives of others through me. Not great in the world's eyes, I, I don't want to be well known, but, but I want when my life ends, whenever that is, whether it's when I'm 40 like I am now or whether I'm 80. I want people to look back and, and see that there 's a harvest that 's come way more than anyone anticipated but man i 've got to keep holding fast to god 's word and truth for that to happen, and so do you. And you know where it starts? It starts by opening up your heart to the message of good news Jesus is telling and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and no matter what you do with the rest of the words of Scripture, if you miss the fact that the greatest news is that God loved man so much that although we were separated from him because of our sin, that he sent his son Jesus to become sin for us, that all who believe in him can be rescued and freed from the bondage of sin and live eternally with him. If you miss that, then we've missed the most important thing because this is the story of that. We... we um, sang the song earlier in our worship service, and we're going to end with a part of it, but I just want to land here to help you understand that this message of God is the seed of God's word. The most important part of it centers on Jesus. And I want you to let it in. I want you to cultivate deeply. I want you to allow roots to grow deep. I want you to be disciplined with the weeds and hold tightly to him. But it starts here. This song, Living Hope, it just tells the story of where we are, who God is, and what he's done. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. There is nothing that you and I can do to traverse the separation that comes to us because of our wrongdoing, our sin, and our rebellion. And all of us face that. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Although we can't climb the mountain, we can't traverse the chasm Jesus has. And as we call out to him in desperation, he comes bursting in and tears through all of our shadows. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? Isn't it hard to comprehend that God loves you and I that much? The God of ages. The God of ages. Think about that. Step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The king of king calls me his own. He's a beautiful savior. I'm his forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. That's the message. That's the seed of the word. That's what God has done for you. He wants to take root in you and to manifest itself in an abundant harvest. Then came the morning. The morning. The victory of the cross from the grave. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. What a picture. Your buried body began to breathe. Man, imagine being in the tomb in that moment. What was dead is now alive. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Man, that's the good news. Jesus came to proclaim it. He longs for the soul of your heart to receive it and to develop a crop in you. So I guess where I'll leave it is with the words of Jesus from verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for telling stories. That reveal to us your deep mysteries. Simple stories that draw us into changed lives. I pray, Father, that you would become the living hope of someone in this room who've never had that hope. That you would be this living hope for those that have wandered from you. God, may the seed of your word find soil that's cultivated. May you take root, and may you just produce beautiful things through us as your people made in your image. And it's in your name we pray and we sing, the name of Jesus, amen.